0: Now we are fighting for his life because now they want to force him into institutionalization through a psychiatric ward and that would probably kill him. Uh, that's what he thinks and that's what we think. And uh, many others think that that might, might be the death of him and it's also in the history. We have Sophia Mirsa, In I think she was in the UK. She w- she was forced into a psychiatric ward and she was, uh, she died because of it.
1: Medical error is purported to be the third leading cause of death in the U.S., killing a quarter of a million Americans annually. 23% of Europeans have been affected by medical error. Bad science embeds ME as medical harm globally, making millions missing. But less than 10% of medical errors are reported, because medical error is the secret many healthcare systems and governments work hard to hide wrong medication, wrong dose, amputate the wrong limb. I am Scott Simpson, host of Medical Error Interviews, and I talk with patients and families, physicians, and advocates about medical error. They share secrets, stories, and most importantly, solutions. Medical Error Interviews is brought to you by my online counseling service, Remedies Counseling a safe space for people affected by medical error chronic illnesses and other life matters a note of caution some may be distressed or triggered by the medical experiences of guests
2: hello humanity I'm Scott Simpson host of medical error interviews we're living in a horror movie says Anton, speaking for his brother Holger, who is so severely sick that he cannot eat or drink and has to be tube-fed. Yet the Swedish medical system thinks Holger has a psychiatric disorder and has threatened to have him forcibly committed to an institution against his wishes. If the medical system succeeds, it will probably kill Holger. Anton and the rest of Holger's family are fighting a medical system that does not recognize or understand the disease myalgic encephalomyelitis, or ME. Holger's family have started a public campaign, including social media to hashtag HelpHolgerNow to save him from a torturous death at the hands of the medical system. I interviewed Anton about Holger on December 21st. Subsequently, Anton emailed me this message about their medical system, and I quote, The police report was regarding them tricking Holger to the psychiatric ward in the beginning of December. IVO is the Healthcare Inspection Authority. We are working on a new report to them, covering a bigger picture with all the things that happened this fall, the psychiatric ward in the beginning of December, and also their threat of forced institutionalization. Holger has been denied to seek a doctor of his own choice because he lives in the care home. But our lawyer says that is not legal. So we are now trying to find a doctor we can trust and who does not deny ME. We know who we want and hope she says yes. We have not accepted the healthcare director's reply, and have asked him to invite us to a meeting and also give us an informed answer because he obviously isn't aware of the details. He is now questioned already by IVO because of the region's handling of the COVID-19 patients. They have failed." Unquote. To follow and support Holger and see if the Swedish medical system tortures and kills him? Go to Help Holger now on Facebook. If you would like to support the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and all of the major podcast platforms. You can also support the podcast by becoming a monthly patron. Premium patrons get access to video versions of the podcast interviews. Simply go to patreon.com slash Interviews to become a monthly patron of the podcast and if you need support for dealing with medical error and or living with complex chronic illnesses you can book an online video counseling appointment with me through my website at remediescounseling.com and now here's my interview with anton speaking for his brother holger and a word of warning as always that some folks may be triggered by their experiences with the healthcare system
1: great thanks anton So today we're chatting about your brother Holger and what's been going on with his health. And he's not able to join us today because he's so severely ill. But my first question to all of my guests are, where did you grow up? And so I guess you'll be speaking for your brother as well. Where did you grow up and what were your childhoods like?
0: Yeah, we grew up in a small town called Vagirid. It's about 5,000 people living there. And this is in the south of Sweden uh, in uh, the Jönköping region. And uh, we are four siblings. So we are two brothers and and two sisters and mom and dad. We had some pets like cats and rabbits and and so on. And this was a small town and I grew up. Uh, i spent a lot of time in church and uh, i like sports and you know me and my brother we were uh, pretty we liked the same stuff for most of the time so we we did a lot of sports and um, also like to play music and in the summers we went uh, windsurfing in the sea and uh, it was a it was a we had a good time growing up i think my brother he was a leader and he was uh, Is really, really, he is this really, really smart person is extremely intelligent, intelligent. I'm four years younger than him. So our time was like for some years, there were a lot, a big age difference. But when we grow older, it was not so much. So, uh, you know, I was so happy when I got to to spend to hang out with him and his uh, friends. sometimes they brought me with me and we had a lot of adventures in the summers and it was a good childhood i think
1: wow yeah it sounds very sort of idyllic growing up in southern sweden so many times yeah so when did holger's health intersect with the healthcare system
0: so we think that when he was 18 or 19 years old he got this, um, I think it's named monocleosis, monocleosis, some kind of virus infection or something. It's very clearly, you know, you can see a, a before and after. That because after that, he was never the same. His personality started to change. He got more timid and he don't, didn't want to do anything. He, uh, before he was very social and a leader, but he, you know, he was changed and, and he changed more and more and, and, uh, went from being this very outwards person to be very silent and timid and yeah things like that and then he started to feel he said something is wrong and he started to have this constant fever feverish feeling that he felt that he had fever all the time you know the doctors thought that he was depressed and they gave him medication for that um and this went on for um, i think took I think it took 10 years for him to get his diagnosis or maybe more during the years you know in the summers that was that was when the family met the most we were the family were in our bathing suits and he were in his winter jackets and he was feverish and he didn't want to speak a lot he just came sometimes and and hanged out with us but mostly he was for himself lying on the bed. He was not able to uh, to work he, he's, um, he is he's a theologian so he's very um, he has a ha- high high education in theology so he likes to read and and, and stuff but he wasn't able to have a, a job and more and more you know when we were doing things with the family it was 50 50 sometimes he he joined us sometimes he didn't we, we never knew if he was going to come him or, him or his wife because we never knew his uh, state his for that day or, or that period, I, I didn't get to see him anymore. We just had con- contact on telephone, and I and, um, think two, three years, two, three, four years ago, I only met him once that year, for forty minutes or something, because that was all he could take, and. Uh, for some time, you know there could only be one more person in in his apartment, so mostly it was his wife. but if someone like me came to
1: him, his wife had to go out to leave the apartment for that time so uh for people who are trying to figure out well, how can that be? Let's unpack that a wee bit so yeah. initially initially Holger uh from what you could see from the outside observing him he had personality changes and at the same time was he also experiencing physical symptoms fatigue feeling sick
0: yeah he had this uh uh, feeling of being sick all the time he was always cold and you know people thought that he was lazy and boring and uh, things like that because no one knew, the family didn't know that he had Emmy. he didn't know that he had ME. The doctors, they hadn't given him the right diagnosis. He went on with this for a long time and everybody thought that he was depressed, um, but the depression never never went away. <laughs> you know, It was not depression, it was something else. And um, did,
1: did Holger think he was depressed?
0: No, no, no he he didn't feel depressed because, but but that was the explanation that they gave to him that you must be depressed but he didn't feel depressed he said this is not psychological this is this is something else and he went to the doctors and no one no one believed him no one understood him and finally actually came to see a doctor her name is Elin Ambjornson and she's a fantastic person and she was the first one that believed him when he he met her you know, he started to cry, you know, yes, meeting a doctor that believed him it was uh, so big for him because he had been struggling on for for a long time. And, you know, he had met so many doctors that said that you are this is a psychological, you know, there's some dark stuff, you know, doctor that said really strange things to him. But then when he met Elin, it was believed and he finally got his diagnosis but he, uh, they did some tests on him. This was not Ehrling that they did This was um, uh, in the system. I can't explain it really, but in system the, they had to uh, like investigate him. So they did some checks on him where he had to you know, like, like running on a, on a running as fast as he could or lift things as much as possible doing his physical, physical tests. And they said, like, uh, for you, walk just walking up a stair, uh, up the stairs is like for someone else running a marathon. So he got this on paper and and stuff, but you know this was really traumatic for him, and he went so much worse after that,
1: after those tests.
0: So, okay, so
1: Anton, uh, maybe we should unpack some more stuff here for the general listener. How long? Was Holger sick before he got to see the doctor who gave him the diagnosis of ME? And for folks who are listening, ME is an acronym for myalgic encephalomyelitis, commonly known as chronic fatigue syndrome, but people in the community don't really like that term. So we use ME. So, how long, how many years before he got to see the doctor who gave him that correct diagnosis?
0: Yeah, I, I can't say exactly when he met her, but he got his uh, because when he met her, they had to like uh, investigate things and so on. So it took some time for him after seeing her to get the diagnosis. But he got the diagnosis in February two thousand two thousand eighteen. That's when he got his his diagnosis. So that was quite recently.
1: Okay, and so um, f- it, for a number of years there. Um, he yeah. saw a number of doctors who were gaslighting him. And it sounds like it was traumatizing for him to not be believed and to be so sick. And then when he saw this doctor who validated him, it was just such a relief that it was yeah. an outpouring of emotion.
0: Yeah. You know, and when he got this diagnosis, we were terrified. You know, what? this sounds like a terrible disease, but he was relieved, you know, finally i got my diagnosis finally i have on paper that it's not me being uh, psychological ill this is something wrong with my body so he was relieved but we were you know very terrified because we never heard about this disease but when we read about it this was uh, so scary
1: yeah and so you were saying that uh, he had to do these physical tests lifting lots of weights doing exercise walking up flight of stairs and that that yeah. made him much sicker did yeah. he recover from that exertion
0: no um you know the doctors had told him you know to try and do more and more uh, physical things you know and, and try to like this uh, git can you explain that
1: yeah the, uh, the get uh, the graded exercise therapy it's been Debunked because it's fraudulent research that says if people with ME if they exercise they'll get better and actually it makes them sicker
0: Yeah, so that's what's happened to my brother. He was told, you know, try to increase the physical uh, things that you do, but he just made him much, much worse over the time Sort of stuff. So one summer, one summer he, he really made an effort, effort to uh, do f- uh, physical things so in our, uh, at our summer place, he was, you know, building stuff, and even though he felt ill, he was he was doing things because that's what he was told to do. So he made his he he, he built this thing like um thing thing on our summer place, and uh, you know, after that, he was really really bad because he's got this uh, pem this. Um, this, uh, symptom that ME uh, people has that uh, if they make physical things, they get PEM after. I can't explain what they experience, but it's really really bad for them, and it's uh, it's making them much worse. I think it's the cardinal symptom of of ME.
1: Yeah, yeah. So PEM is another acronym, and it stands for post exertional malaise, and it is like you say, it's the hallmark symptom of ME. It's this delayed and dysfunctional response to exertion. And for somebody who has mild ME like me, mild exertion might be walking for an hour on flat ground. But for somebody who's already very sick with ME, uh, exertion, too much exertion could be brushing their teeth.
0: Yeah. So what happened was that one summer, you know, in the summer, that was always the time when, when the whole family met. summer place and one summer he said that i'm not coming and for us that was terrible you know is he so ill that he can't even be here this is his favorite place on earth and he can't come so so uh, for two summers he didn't come and um, then for when was this i think it was 2018 he uh, he decided to to come and meet our uh, he, he wanted to come to my parents house for the christmas So he, you know, for the whole uh, fall, he has gathered his strength, you know, to be able to come for three weeks to my parents' house. Uh, And he didn't meet any friends or anything. He was just resting to be able to meet his family. Then he got this, uh, uh, he was taking this uh, B vitamin injections, but he was changing from one one kind of them to another one. um, that had this uh, thing in it that he was allergic to or he was poisoned by it. So after this, he became much, much worse. And uh, when he came, I hadn't met him for, uh, for um, maybe six months. And we were just, when we saw the state that he was in, you know, we just tried, you know, and uh, I didn't know what to do and I couldn't talk to him. And, and uh, he was not, we couldn't contact him because he had so much hem just from uh, sitting in the car and um, he was going to lie on a bed in a small room at my parents' house upstairs. So we had uh, uh, gathered some friends, you know, to just lift him up the stairs in the wheelchair. And, you know, just meeting my brother, I was, how can I show, how can I show him that I love him? And the only thing that I could do was just lifting him with the, as much love that I had, <laughs> that was the only thing I could do. And, you know, what do you give someone as a Christmas present? He was supposed to be there for three weeks, but he got stuck there at my parents' house, and uh, he couldn't leave for for over a year. He was stuck there, and we started to need, uh, he has he got worse and worse and worse, so we got this home, home service. People uh, came and, and helped with, it, with these basic needs. The next Christmas, he got even worse. So this company that had been helping us, they were not able to, to help him. So then we had to get another one from the, the commune, or it's called municipal, municipality or commune. So they they came and helped him, but they were not willing to, to adapt, his, adapt it to his needs. So he has got worse and worse and worse. And then, then finally he and his wife got an apartment very close to my parents' house, you know, his wife, she had to do everything, and my parents helped as much as possible. But it was not; we were not able to do it alone. And the commune, they didn't want to help us, so it it became that bad that uh, in the summer we made this manifestation. You know, just to get him to get proper care. You know, uh, so this was a big thing in the summer. And uh, if it hadn't been for co- um, coronavirus, we had probably had uh, gotten a pretty big manifestation, but we had to to keep it down to fifty people. But people were were manifestating on on social medias because my brother, he always wears air protection and sunglasses. So may, we made this thing on the manifestation. people were wearing this air protection and sunglasses and on social medias people were putting up pictures with the air protection and sunglasses and sunglasses and manifesting for help Holger now
1: oh i see okay so just a, uh, the word manifestation so it sounds like it was an awareness campaign
0: yeah we were demonstrating um, demonstrating outside the 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 com- commune house with the leaders of the municipality are working
1: okay so we that's were the, all... the sorry that's the local government
0: yeah. Okay. Exactly.
1: Yeah, and it's been a,
0: a long process, you know. Really terrible things. You know, we have, Scott, we have been living in a horror movie for a half year now. It's been. This could be a very um, strong drama movie.
1: Yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Anton. I just want to back up and unpack a yeah. couple of more things too. So, uh, can you sort of paint a picture of just how sick? Sex- Holger is because it'll be hard for people that are healthy to yeah. imagine just how sick somebody could be that they need 24-7 total care. Yeah so he stopped um, he, he had to give up one thing after
0: after the other you know when he was getting worse and worse so he he really needs help with everything he, he can't do anything uh, uh, he can he can turn in the bed he can point a little he can nod his head and if he really really has to uh, he can talk but that's only you know with the doctor or like now in this process he had been giving some testimonies you know what what they have done to him because they took him to the psychiatric ward and did things to him so we have this recorded so he can talk but
1: but he doesn't talk i haven't been able to talk with him for two years i think and that and that's for the people that are listening the reason that he avoids talking is because talking is exertion and that makes him sicker yeah
0: yeah yeah. uh he can't he can't eat or or drink anything the only thing that he takes uh, with his mouth is um, some medicine otherwise he has this um i think it's called uh, cataport cataport this uh, thing that uh, gives him
1: nutrition through the veins Oh, so it's a port into his veins that provides nutrients. Yeah. yeah. So uh,
0: he doesn't eat anything, he doesn't drink anything. Everything goes goes in there. And uh he's lying in a in a um, uh, soundproof room that was in this process in the summer. Finally, we you know we got this this room. So he's in a healthcare, no, he's in a, a care home, I think that's the name. A care home. And he has this um uh, room is soundproof is dark it's um he has paper on his uh on his walls you know with notes and, and photos and some paintings and he's, he's communicating mostly by you know looking at the point in the room for example he can look at a at a picture of my mom and that could mean uh call my mom or get my mom here or he can he has a, a paper in his bed that says pem you know this this um, hallmarks uh, hallmark symptom so he can you know point at this uh, paper and tell us that he has pem and, and sometimes the good days he can point with his finger at it and he can uh, nod his head and, and so on but when he's bad he can't even do that so um, and he always has ear protection sometimes he can rest from them like for maybe an hour a day or something he can rest from his ear protection you know they took him to the psychiatric ward against his will just a few weeks ago and after that he has not been uh, he's been worse so he's not being able to meet people as much as often and there was a day that he could be without his sunglasses in this dark room you know the room is dark we have some lamps there if he wants to have them yeah, he can have some indirect lights, but uh, there was a day that he could be without his sunglasses for fifty minutes, and we were really happy about that. You know, he loves books. He's a theology theologian. So he has a lot of books in his room, but every book is, you know, uh, we have pushed them in individually so that the the book end shall not um, reflect light into his eyes. So it's really, really bad. You know, and all the metal in the room, we have like this um, tape, taped, so it will not reflect any light into his eyes. So he is, he's really, really bad. (laughs)
1: Yeah. 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 So folks that are listening, the reason that he wears headphones to protect his ears and he's in a soundproof room is because sound makes him sicker light makes them sicker so even though it's a darkened room he often has to wear uh, sunglasses and then you're taping up anything that might reflect even a little bit of light to help protect them yeah so it's really hard for people that haven't ever been really ill to understand how sick somebody could be and still be alive yeah so I, I interrupted you there a couple of times. So uh, you, you folks did a public awareness campaign and a demonstration in front of the local government yet, and that's why people were wearing the headphones and the sunglasses in support of Holger. Um, but it sounds like that in spite of your efforts, the health system still thought he was a psychiatric case and took him and basically did him more harm. You yeah,
0: know, after a long process in the summer, we finally got this uh, room that is adapted to his needs and uh, we got, you know, a staff that, you know, understand his needs and and doesn't make him worse. So that was our, our fight in the summer was to to get him a uh, care. You know, now we are fighting for his life because now they want to force him into uh, um, institutional institutionalization through a psychiatric ward. And that would probably kill him. Uh, that's what he thinks and that's what we think. And, and many others think that that might might be the death of him and it's also in the history we have Sophia Mirsa in I think she was in the UK. she w- she was forced into a psychiatric ward and she was uh, she died because of it. So now we are fighting for his life. So there are like there are two different fights, but also it's the same. you know so uh, after the summer, uh, the nutrition went worse because people didn't understand uh pem this this symptom people didn't understand PEM. they they didn't believe in it and we tried to explain to people but people don't they don't listen to us because we are his family we are not doctors we are not nurses so they think that that uh, what we say is not important but you know we probably we know more about this than than most of the people in in this region because we have so much experience about this uh, so you know if you don't believe in PEM and you're trying to take care of someone with severe ME you are just making it worse probably so they took him into the the hospital in September they did it three times and every time they did it you know one short notice and it was not planned so they took it through the emergency intake so he had to wait there for hours, and we had to protect him because no one understood that this is dangerous for him because he has Pam, but no one understands Pam. We haven't met any doctor at that hospital that that knows pam or and we have met doctors that that don't believe in me so three times they did this, and um, so me and my my family we every day we were there and and translated for him, and we are just protecting him from from doctors and nurses that didn't know about this. So we were there protecting him. And, uh, but then my dad got the coronavirus. So he and my mom wasn't able to go to the hospital. And my older sister, she was not able to be there for other reasons. So it was me and my little sister, we had to be there uh, every day, just protecting him. And, you know, talking to the doctors and, you know, the doctors, they didn't even want him to be able to, be transported with ambulance and they said there's no med- medical reason for that we said he has PEM and that should be enough reason for a, a very severe, severe ME sufferer to be able to, to go with an ambulance at least uh, they didn't believe in PEM so me and my sister were there and after that we both collapsed since then I have um, quite severe stress symptoms and I, I have been fi- uh, trying to find my way back you know and, and being healthy again and now this happened that they want to force him into this institutionalization and in the beginning of december this was the third time this fall that they took him in and they took him through the emergency exit and they said to him that you have to cooperate we will take you to the uh, medical ward and there you will get help that's what i said uh, but they didn't plan for this and the big problem was that he had some problem with the nutrition something so they said we will take you to the medical ward and you will get help so they took him in through emergency exit but they didn't accept him there so instead he went to the psychiatric ward against his will and they put him in a, a bright room and they were trying you know to talk to him and, and stuff and we have him uh, recorded when he's uh, explaining what happened to him and he needs help with everything. And there was a nurse that came with him to the hospital, but they didn't uh, let her come into the hospital. And on the psychiatric ward, there was no one taking care of him. Uh, despite he is this ill, you know, his cell phone is his, uh, some safety line. You know, in emergency, he can write text messages. So, you know, the, the text messages that he wrote to us is really, really scary. He didn't get to have his uh, ear protection. He wrote uh, 17 hours no fluid. They didn't give, give him fluid for 17 hours. And also they have uh, forced me psych. He said you have to you have to get me out of here. My disease won't take this. Uh, was what he wrote to us. And also they didn't even help him to pee. He he needs help with everything, but no one helped him to pee. And uh, so uh, this was really traumatizing, and after this, he's much worse. So he he actually was forced or he was tricked into the psychiatric ward, and then the doctors there they they found no psych- uh, psychological illness in him. So then after two days, he came back to the nursing home, the care home, and then just a few days after, they uh, they take my mom and, and and get my mom to a meeting and there are six people and and my mom and a person dressed in a guard uniform. So the mom and and seven other people there and one is is dressed in a guard uniform and they said that uh, Holger has to go to the psychiatric ward for a long time, for a longer period. My mom said no, you know, she knows much more about ME CFS than any of them. My my dad was not uh, allowed to this meeting because at that time only eight People at once are are allowed to gather in Sweden, so my dad he was there there through zoom, so my mom was there alone and uh, said like if if he doesn't agree to this, uh, we will force him uh, according to this law and on medical uh, basis, we will force him into a, a psychiatric ward yeah so, so then we took contact we, we have this Facebook group help Hol now and we A lot of people are following it since the summer, and uh, we started to, you know, reach out and and uh, Emmy Action, which is an an organization that put pressure on 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 governments and things, and they helped us to do this petition. Yeah, that's where we are now. So we wrote a letter to to the hospital directors and some politicians last week, and we have gathered uh, I think it's eighteen no uh, eight thousand names. Right now, that we have uh, collected, and we said that we want to hand hand over this uh, these names, this petition, to the health and care director of this region. And today, we got the answer that they are going to reply to to our email. And in this email, we also, you know, the, you know, there there's the knowledge about Emmy is quite big now. There are a lot of reports. There are a lot of science that really says that this is a physical disease this is a neurological disease this is not a psychological disease there's no uh, science that can prove that this is this is psychological so we did this wrong uh, long letter and also probably the most famous emmy sufferer in the world whitney dafoe is quite similar to holger he's in the in the states he, he also uh, wrote this letter to the hospital and in all this process there are a lot of people that are reaching out to us we are just a family we are fighting for our brother but in this we are also fighting for all the ambassadors in in sweden and the whole world um, specifically in this region and there are so many that are reaching out to us and thanking us for for you know giving attention to this so we hope that this will not only be for Holger, that this will make an impact for ME sufferers in Sweden, at least. And we have uh, contact with uh, some politicians that influencing and uh, yeah we'll see what happens. But that's where we are now. So we are promised to get a reply from the, the director, but we don't know what he will reply.
1: Okay, well, wow. so just so folks know, we're recording this on December 21st, and it'll be published, uh, so today's Monday, it'll be published on the 28th, so next Monday. Do you think you'll receive a reply by next Monday? I guess Christmas is coming up, things will be slowed down.
0: He has promised us to, uh, to give an, uh, uh a reply before Christmas, so we are expecting his answer tomorrow or on Wednesday. Okay. Uh, Wednesday would be 23rd December.
1: Okay. So uh, I'll circle back to you in a couple of days and we can do a, a little bit of an update for the folks who are listening. Yeah. So Anton, this is just absolutely horrific. Uh, what is going on? You know, I just, for people who are listening to just think about being so sick that, you know, speaking makes you sicker that's just how sick you are and for to have uh, an entire healthcare system basically not believe you and think that you're psychologically ill and it continue to expose you to things that make you sicker and as both you and Holger believe that if he's institutionalized in a psychiatric institution that it will probably kill him yeah yeah and uh
0: he will be tormented, tormented before he gets killed probably because it's really, really terrible. And I think also it's important for people to understand that Holger is not feeling safe. And you know, anxiety, anxiety, that could make an Emmy person, Emmy suffer worse. You, know, because you can get PEM from anxiety, you get, get PEM from being afraid. So now he's lying in this uh, care, care home and he's not feeling safe because they tricked him to the psychiatric ward. And he doesn't, he only trusts his family probably.
1: Yeah, not only has he been traumatized, he's continuously being traumatized, as, as you and, and your family are as well. So you said that you guys have a Facebook set up, Help Holger Now? Yeah, so there are about uh,
0: 1,500 followers now. And, uh, you know, the the last week, and so we have had many international followers uh, because people are really upset about this. And in the petition, there are names from not all the countries in the world, but, you know, from all over the world, people are signing the petition. So on this Facebook page, you can find the petition and um, there are about 8,000 names now, but we hope that we can get a lot of names on that petition that will make a bigger impact not only helping holger but helping the ms sufferers in the uh, in sweden because this is a big problem it's not okay to treat an ms sufferer with psychiatric treatment that's that's not okay so if people want to sign the petition you can uh, visit help holger now and, and sign it
1: Yeah, so we'll include that link in the show notes so that people can find it there, but it sounds pretty easy to find. So with COVID coming and having arrived, and now we're seeing, you know, a a good percentage of people developing long COVID, which there's a huge overlap with ME. What are you thinking as you observe that happening?
0: Yeah, you know, uh you know it's uh, it's i've been so busy with my brother so i haven't read so much about long covid covid and, and so on but but you know it, it really sounds like emmy but i'm not the right person to uh, to ask to uh, to ask or answer yeah there are a lot of reports that shows that it could be emmy and uh, i think it's it might be
1: yeah, the a lot of the long COVID folks seem to have the post exertional malaise, the PEM yeah. symptom, and that's that's the hallmark symptom. So, yeah. it's almost in a way that you're you're getting ahead of all the long COVID people too. If you can manage to change the healthcare system in Sweden, you'll be helping those folks too. Yeah,
0: was you know there are, there are blacks and whites in this. There are good things and bad things. Corona is terrible, and and people getting long COVID. That might be ME is terrible, but what is happening is also that there are so many reports that shows that it could be ME is increasing the the research funds in ME, and in June this year two thousand twenty, uh, the U- European Union made a resolution uh, that says really good things in in uh, about ME that is not a. F- a this logical disease; it needs biomedical research, and also that the knowledge in the European Union among healthcare providers are are too bad, so on. So this is a very good document that I think will make a, a good impact. And I don't know, but I guess that Corona has made more people aware about Emmy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the silver lining in this pandemic is there's a greater awareness and like you say, more research funding for ME slash long COVID. So Anton, uh, I hope to be able to circle back in a few months and find out that, you know, we've got a good outcome to what's going on with you and Holger and the rest of your family but thank you so much for taking the time and sharing his stories and I really encourage anybody who's listening to find Help Holger now on Facebook and sign the petition. Thank you Scott so nice to uh, to talk to you and thank you for what you're doing.
2: Well thank you to Anton for taking the time to share what's going on with Holger and the rest of his family and I encourage everyone to go to Facebook and check out Help Holger Now to support and follow Holger. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others. If you would like to support the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and all of the major podcast platforms. You can also support the podcast by becoming a monthly patron. Premium patrons get access to video versions of the podcast interviews. Simply go to patreon.com slash medicalerrorinterviews to become a monthly patron of the podcast. And if you need support for dealing with medical error and or living with complex chronic illnesses, you can book an online video counseling appointment with me through my website at remediescounseling.com.